Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I had a lesson yesterday in the importance of being able to hear the voice of God for yourself. We, uh, we had kind of a busy week, and then, I, maybe you've had this before, you ever gotten home on Friday and then all of a sudden realize that you had committed to something on Saturday that you forgot you committed to, and you're like, oh, Saturday, and then you look at your calendar and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm helping a friend move, or something that's, not that you don't want to help a friend move, but you're like, oh my gosh. So I got home, and uh, I think it was like Friday afternoon, and I looked at my calendar and went, I signed up for a triathlon tomorrow. I completely forgot that I had a triathlon. Like, this isn't what helping somebody move. I have a triathlon tomorrow, and I just went, do I really want to do this? I signed up for it. I may as well go. And so I kind of had the opposite preparation week of what I usually have for a race. Like everything I typically don't do, I did this week. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go. So I get up in the morning, scramble, put my bike together, put my gear all together. And I was in Hampton. So I went to Hampton, drove all the way out there. I got there in time. So when you do triathlons, there's a lot of setup you have to do. You got to put everything in its place and whatever. And so it usually takes about a, a good half hour's time to be able to check in, do everything you got to do, and get ready for the race. And so I picked up my packet, and then I, uh, and inside the packet, I just stuffed my phone and my keys into it. And as you want to do before a race, you go find the nearest porta potty. And so I put the keys and uh, the whole bag down on the floor of the porta potty. Everybody cringe with me right now. You did what? Yes, on the floor of the porta potty. It's clean. It was a new one. It's okay. Nowhere else to put it. You know, your options are kind of limited when you go to a porta potty of where to put stuff down, right? And so I put it down and then finished doing what I had to do, got my bag, walked out, and now I've got to go back to my car to get my bike. And I look in my bag, my keys are gone. I'm like, all right, I must have left them at the registration table. So I walk over to the registration table and uh, they're not at the registration. Hey, my turn, any keys in? No, we haven't. Sorry, we'll let you know if they do. Are you sure you're going to let me know? Yeah, we'll let you know. So I'm retracing my steps and through the grass, and there's only so many places it can be, and I'm retracing nothing. I go back to my car, nothing. Retrace my steps again. I spent an hour doing this, right? There's only so many steps you can go in in the limited amount of time that I had. And I re- began to realize about 10 minutes into this, if I have retraced every step that I've been in and still have not found my keys, there's probably only one other option. And that's not a good option. Because the only place I technically haven't looked is the bottom of that porta potty So at this point, I'm facing a dilemma. Either sit out this whole race or go dig into the bottom of that porta potty So I'd asked the race director, I said, hey, if anybody turns in keys, where we, we would make a big announcement over the whole PA system. If somebody turned it in, you would not miss it. You would know. No one said anything, no announcements. I've checked with the check-in table the whole time. And now I'm faced with a choice of waiting until Romy gets out of bed and wakes up herself because she had had a late night, which is probably a few hours later, or do the dirty deed, right? And then you begin to tell yourself, well, 
It was a new porta potty. There weren't too many people that have used it by now. Maybe I can find a stick or I can somehow. So I just decided, Lord, if there were ever a time I needed to hear your voice clearly, it's right now. Where are my keys? I am at the end of my rope. I don't want to miss this race. I certainly don't want to choose plan B. I need your help. And as clear as anything, I had this, not a voice from heaven, but this intuition, go check the other table at the finish line where nobody is. It was, the, it was where the announcer had the microphone, but it wasn't the big check-in where it should be. So I walk over there. The race starts at 7 o'clock. The transition area closes at 6.45. It's now 6.35, and I've done nothing. And I walk over, and there are my keys sitting right on that table. So I grab my keys, ran to my car, got all the stickers on I'm supposed to get, get to transition, get all my stuff set up in the transition area, and then have to run to the beach for the swim start. And all of this, I just went, Lord, thank you that I actually was able to hear your voice clearly in a difficult time because it saved me from getting hepatitis B, C, A, Q, D, and X because that was definitely not going to be an option. How bad is it when the thought crosses your mind about maybe if I just, now there's no way in the world I was choosing that. So I was able to do the race and I actually ticked off one of my goals for the year that I got second place in my age group. I was pretty excited. So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe high stress, no sleep and no training the week before is the way to go. I don't know. All that to say, there's moments when you can run into an obstacle in your life and you can run into a situation where you're just like, are you flipping kidding me? You ever had one of those moments? Like things pile on. And there's in those moments when you just got to go, God, I need to hear you. Because right now, if I just continue on the path that I'm going, I don't know how many more of these I can encounter and stay sane. I don't know if I can face, if there was ever a moment when I needed to hear from you, it's right now. And can I tell you that it's those moments that God, when you'll incline your ear towards Him, when you'll lean in, that He will listen to you and He will speak to you in those moments. It's funny, but kind of in those moments is the time that I least want to hear. It's a weird dynamic. The times when I really do need to hear, this is me personally, is when I find myself withdrawing a little bit, going, I, I don't want to hear it right now. But I actually need the voice of God. I need to know what heaven has to say about my situation because they view these things from a very different perspective than we do. So I've got to get over myself and go, no, I'm pressing in. God, I need to hear your voice because I don't want hepatitis. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. I've kind of sensed in our church over the last couple of weeks, a couple of months, I guess, the last three months, there's just been these little isolated incidences that have happened in our church, not great ones. And it's funny because it's come on the back of some huge breakthroughs that we've had in healing in our church and people hearing from the voice of God for themselves. 
What happened in our men's retreat, I promise you, doesn't stay at the men's retreat. What happened in our men there, they're bringing it home. And I am excited to see the breakthrough that's happening in our men. It was a powerful, powerful weekend that happened. And uh, it's not just going to stay there. But then on the back of that, you start to encounter just some odd things that begin to happen. I, I started saying, God, I actually want to hear from you on this. Because you could take any one of these isolated incidences and go, well, that's just a disaster. You know, we live in a fallen world. These things happen, unfortunately, but God's bigger than the world. He gives us the strength to overcome, and we just need to persevere. But then there's moments when you put a lot of these things together and you realize, I think we might be under attack. I think the enemy might be having a plan right now against what is happening in our church. And then when I say our church, like I said, it's not this building. It's not Seashore Church. It's our family. We're a family, right? And I, I get the feeling. I get the sense. And I don't, I don't want to miss God's perspective on this. I know that when the enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, I know that he does that, but in the end, it's a toothless lion. Because Jesus already defeated the enemy on the cross. But I want to gain the perspective on heaven to know how to fight this battle. Because some battles are natural battles, and some battles are spiritual battles. And if I try to fight a natural battle with spiritual means, what does that mean? It means if Romy and I are having an argument, and I'm rebuking the spirit of confusion, but I'm just being a jerk, that's a natural battle. I need to stop being a jerk. That's not a spiritual battle. But sometimes you face spiritual battles, and you try to fix them with natural means. And those are the ones we need to fight spiritually. So I'm asking God, God, I don't want to miss you in this. Just like I did yesterday, I said, what's going on? And I believe the Lord kind of showed me some things that I want to share with you, if that's okay, as our message tonight. And it's going to be a little bit of a different message, because I actually want to, maybe it's not different, but I'm going to read a whole chapter of the Bible. Can you stick with me on this one? A whole. Ch- I know you like sound bites. I know we live in a sound bite world, but I'm going to actually be brave enough to read an entire chapter of the Bible. It's a short one, but it's an entire chapter. Will you stay with me? You'll even get to read it on the screens. So we're going to have a look at Acts chapter 4. And I really feel like, um, actually it was Romy that really got this, this verse. She really felt like this was a word from the Lord for us. And I think she put it out on, on Facebook or tweeted it. And it struck me as soon as I read it, I'm like, oh, it, it kind of reverberated in me that this is what's actually going on with us right now. And it also shows us an appropriate way to respond to what currently is happening. Does that make sense? Acts chapter 4. You guys ready back there? Acts chapter 4. It's what? We're good. All right. So little background on this. Uh, yes. So this is Acts. Jesus has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. And everybody in that room that was there, 120 of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues, but they were declaring the wonders of God in the languages of those who are actually currently in the room, all different kinds of languages. This was a supernatural moment of God, and it was what Jesus promised would happen is that the helper, the Holy Spirit, would come to empower believers to live the life that He's called them to live and to go combat against the forces of darkness that were still in the world. 
When Jesus came the first time, He died on the cross. He didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom. So His death and His resurrection provided a way for us to escape the sin and sickness of this world and become a part of His kingdom and become a part of His family through His blood. That when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And we gain salvation that He provides for us. We become a part of His kingdom. We become a part of His family. That is a spiritual kingdom. But we still live in a world where there are dark, demonic forces of hell that seek to control, they seek to manipulate, they seek to enslave, and they seek to sicken God's people. Why? Because the devil hates you because God loves you. But Jesus says, fear not, for I have overcome the world. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us not sit back in a building and go, let me get in a Holy Spirit cone of silence to keep evil away from me. The purpose of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is to project the kingdom into that dark world that the kingdom of God expands and pierces the darkness so that darkness can no longer control. When you shine light in darkness, darkness does not overcome light. Light overcomes darkness. When we become a part of the kingdom, when the Holy Spirit lives in us, we project light into every place that we go. Darkness cannot remain dark in the presence of light. And God has given each and every one of us a light to shine in the darkness so that we're not overcome by darkness. There's moments when you may feel like darkness is overwhelming you and God says, I've given you a light. I've given you the Holy Spirit. And where you go, darkness can't stay. That's the Holy Spirit that came on the disciples at Pentecost and it's the same Holy Spirit that we have available to us today. Make sense? So as part of that, these two disciples, Peter and John, they see a guy at a gate called Beautiful as they're going to the temple to pray. He's, he's, uh, he can't walk. He's lame. And they say, get up off your mat and walk. And he's instantly healed. The same spirit that's in the disciples, the Holy Spirit, is how they healed this man. It's the same spirit that you have in you if you'll welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. This man gets healed and gets up. He had been sitting at this gate for 40 years. He was over 40 years old. Everybody knew him as the lame guy. You ever have that? He's the lame guy. He's the guy, not that people hated him, but they just knew him as the guy that's lame. And now the guy that's the lame guy, he's not lame anymore. He's walking and leaping and praising God. And they see it, and the whole city is like, what just happened? What's going on? And it's causing a stir. And Peter and John are saying, this man's healed because Jesus died on the cross and we have forgiveness of sins and healing of our body because of what Jesus did. And they're upsetting the current power structures that be. They're called Pharisees. And they are the religious leaders of the day that not only rejected Jesus, but they're the ones that put him on the cross. And as a result... They don't like what Peter and John are saying because Peter and John saying that Jesus who you killed is who just healed this man. They're causing an uproar. So let's break into the story, Acts chapter 4. You ready? So the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
Who were the Sadducees? The Sadducees were a religious sect that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They believed that when you die, you die. Because they're sad, you see. That's how you remember that. And the Pharisees are not fair, you see. That's an old one. All right, I just want to see who grew up in church with me. That's okay. It's all good. That's like a church dad joke right there. That's awesome. So listen to these Sadducees. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there. Also were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. Now, who are these people? These are the powers that be. That's the power structure that is getting upset by what Peter and John are doing. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, how would you like that as your description in the Bible? Unschooled and ordinary. They were, not me. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since, they but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further amongst the people, what was their goal? To stop this thing spreading. What was spreading? Healing. The kingdom was expanding. The religious power structures of the day were part of the darkness that I was talking about before. They were keeping people in bondage. They had rejected Jesus, and by doing so, they had rejected God. And it was keeping people in a religious, dead structure that led them nowhere. That's what was happening, okay? We must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. 
They could not decide how to punish him because all the people were praising God for what had happened. So where everybody else is praising, what are the religious structures thinking about? Punishing. The people are praising. The powers that be want to punish. Do you see a difference that's happening here? For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they had heard this, that's the people, this is the church. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus. Let me back up for a minute, okay? Herod and Pontius Pilate. One was a provisional governor of an area and one was like the mayor. They hated each other. There was a constant bickering and power struggle between Herod and Pilate. They resented one another. They were always trying to get over on one another. In fact, the very idea of Herod sending Jesus to Pilate was a way of passing the buck, giving him the stuff you don't want to deal with. They couldn't stand each other. And the people of Israel, both Herod and Pilate, were enemies, occupying forces of the people of Israel. Do you understand this? But in this matter, they're now united. People who were enemies of each other are now united in their fight against what God wants to do. You see, when you're on the wrong side, it's funny how you'll find people just like you. When you work against the purposes of God, or when you resist the kingdom, it's funny how you'll find other resistors too. People who were your enemies suddenly become your friends, but you're united on the wrong side. Whom you anointed. Next verse. Next screen, guys. Oh, there we go. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. What got these disciples in trouble in the first place? Their great boldness. What was the prayer of the church having seen the response to the great boldness? More boldness. Peter and John spoke with great boldness. They got in trouble. Lord, help us to speak with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. What got them in trouble? The man was healed. What is the church's response to the enemy's threats of the healing? Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God Boldly. I want you to understand, 
Peter puts this into perspective when he first meets with the Sanhedrin. He tells them, let me get this straight. The reason you're questioning me is because we showed kindness to a lame man who you passed by every day. And he was healed. Let me just, let me just understand why we're here. We're being questioned because we showed kindness to a lame man and he's now healed. Okay, I got that. Just want to make sure I'm defining the argument we're talking about here. And as a result, they're thrown into prison for this. Can I tell you, sometimes bad things will happen to you because you've done right. You see, when something bad happens to you, our natural tendency is, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? You ever thought that? You did nothing to deserve it. Sometimes you end up in a tough place for doing all the right things. That's what happened to Peter and John. And Peter and John are reminding them, and maybe Peter's reminding himself, let me get this straight. I'm in prison because I did exactly what Jesus told us to do, right? Yes, that is why you're in prison. Okay, got it. So now I know that what's happening to me is from the enemy, and it's not from God. You see, if I end up in jail because of my disobedience to God, that's on me. But if I end up in jail because of my obedience to God, that's on you. Just want to make sure I got this straight, okay? Because last time I read my Bible, showing kindness and seeing people healed was not against the purposes of God. Am I right? Last time I checked. But healing that lame man had caused a disruption. That's the problem. Because now... The fact that he's no longer lame, that's causing a disruption. And if there's anything that the enemy doesn't want, it's disruption. Because when revival hits the city, not the church, when it hits the city, believe me, there will be great disruption. Everywhere the disciples went created an uproar or a riot. You look at Paul, he'd show up in a city and all he would do is preach the gospel and riots would break out. He didn't go to cause a riot, but they just broke out. What's happening? There's a disruption that's happening. But the disruption is not in us. The disruption is of the oppressive dark forces that want to control, that want to manipulate, and want you to just chill. Just stay like you are. Do nothing. Just take it. Because as a Christian, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. So just take it. But if you know your Bible, turning the other cheek is when a brother strikes you. Because we live with forgiveness in our hearts. But we don't turn the other cheek when the devil tries to strike. The Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee from you. We've had three pretty tough months in our church. And I started to list stuff, and I was like, I'm not going to do that. I don't know if you guys do know, but Saphir, our drummer and a part of our family, his father passed away suddenly two days ago. And they're in, in, in Vancouver right now and uh, trying to take care of that. We lost beautiful Lisa just 
seems like yesterday, but it was probably a few weeks ago, an absolute tragedy. It's just been one thing after another. We've had active demonic activity happening in and around the church that people have seen and experienced. It's all come to nothing, by the way. And uh, just this past Monday, my daughter took her to the hospital thinking she had a stomach virus and got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. It's not really the week you expect to have that we spent a week uh, in the PICU at CHKD as she had entered into a state that was quite deadly. She got out of that, and we spent the rest of the week just trying to get our heads around having to give your daughter a shot four times a day and that life now looks very different until God heals you. There's moments like that when you look at your church family and you look at what's going on that I think it's good to step back and go, hey God, I need heaven's perspective here. I need your voice in this because I know the natural part of me wants to fly off in 20 different directions. I want to cry. I want to get mad. I want to fight. I want to hide. I don't know what to do. I need to hear from heaven. And this is what I felt like he, 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 he spoke to us. He said, it's okay. You're causing a disruption. And the powers that be in this city have taken notice. You see, those religious leaders asked Peter and John a very specific question. They asked him, by what power and what name did you do this? You know what they're really asking? You didn't ask our permission to heal that man. We made him lame will determine whether he gets healed or not. And right now, we don't want him healed. We want him to remind everybody else of their own sickness. We want him to be a reminder of what happens when you try to oppose us. You sit and beg. That's what life looks like for you. And every day, every day, people walk by that lame man and just went, yep, there's a lame man. That's the life of a believer. That's what the kingdom's going to look like. And then two men, filled with the Holy Spirit, walk by a lame man and go, well, you can't stay like that. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And when he did, not only did that man notice he was healed, but so did every other person who had walked by him every single day. Not realizing that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave can live inside of me. And I could have seen that man healed too. And now a disruption is being caused. And the religious structure of the day goes, you didn't ask our permission to do this. Peter and John are going, who should I obey, you or Jesus? Because this is what we are called to do. This is what life looks like for us. And it was very interesting. Because the Bible tells us that since they could see the healed man standing with them, 
They had nothing else to say. That's their response. And when you look at what's been happening in our church in the last three months, and you can go, what do we do wrong? What's happening? Why does there seem to be so much attack on us? I'd rather not battle this spiritual battle and just hope the enemy leaves me alone and just come to do my religious duty, stay in a box, don't push the envelope too hard, and just stay here and stay safe. But that's not a safe place. And that's not what God's called us to do. And there's moments, like right now, when we're faced with our response. And the enemy wants to throw his accusations and his darts at you and at me. And he wants to keep you enslaved. But he's got a problem. Because when we say, the enemy sees the healed man standing right next to him. And they got nothing to say. Because the enemy sees the healed man standing before them. He's got nothing to say. (laughs) I could spend all night doing this. Because the enemy sees the healed man Standing before them. He's got nothing to say. So when he throws his darts of accusation at you, how dare you believe for healing? How dare you do anything else except your religious duty? How dare you trust God for power? How dare you trust God for healing? He looks at the healed man and goes, you know what? I've got no answer for this. Our right response to what's happening in our midst is not to sit back and not cause a stir. It's to pick these up and write every disease on this board and every obstacle that interferes with you and your relationship with God. These are going to be crossed off one at a time. That one's already gone. And I looked at this board. By the way, this was an idea that Stephanie had when she preached a couple of months ago, just to be able to write things we're believing God for and things that he had done. And I look on this board, and I didn't know that, but it says type 1 diabetes. It's my daughter's handwriting. What is our right response to the attacks of the enemy that would seek to suppress that would seek to quiet you, that would seek to keep you silent. Every false accusation, every fiery dart, every diagnosis, every threat and loss, they are just empty words. Peter and John get released from prison. You know what the enemy throws at them? More empty words. You better not do this again, or we're going to put you in jail or something. They're empty words. By the way, Norm, Don, Sam, healed of stage four cancer, healed of melanoma, healed of MS. There's plenty of people in our midst that have been healed supernaturally, just like that lame man has. You are in our midst. We're only getting started, guys. We're still small. This isn't huge. 
but we're causing a disturbance, and it's good. The disturbance we're causing, and I promise you the disturbance, I don't mean to keep overdoing this whole men's retreat thing, but trust me, there was a disturbance that happened there. There was breakthrough that happened there, and the enemy has taken notice, and he wants to say, more of this will happen. People are going to die. You're going to get sick. You're going to have diseases. More of these things will happen if you keep pursuing freedom and wholeness. Just let it be. Come to church, do your religious duty, but don't mess with the powers that be. If you push for power and presence, then, uh, sorry, if you don't push for power and presence of God, then we'll leave you alone. Do what you want, but don't disrupt. Do you know why I wrote that down? Because those are all the voices I hear in my head. Those are all the voices that I hear. Do what you want. Have a service. Rent a building. Do community stuff. But don't you dare disrupt what's happening here. Don't you push for God's presence. Don't you push for power. Those are all the voices of the enemy. We all hear those voices. But when you recognize it as his voice, you can go, oh, no, no, no. That's a lie. Because Isaiah 61 tells me, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And by the way, the day of vengeance ain't for us. It's for the same forces that now are resisting the disruption that's happening in the spirit. To comfort all who mourn to provide a place for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations." This is the anointing that we have. We are anointed. Peter and John were anointed to do what they were doing. We are anointed by God. There is power. There is presence. There is protection. All the things that a father gives for their child, the heavenly father wants to give for us. There is an anointing. But they go back to church. Peter and John understand this for themselves, but they go back to church. How's the church going to respond? Oh, Peter, John, we're so sorry you were in prison. Oh, it must be terrible. Peter and John, oh, tell us how bad it was. Oh, Peter and John, oh, gosh. That's, the, that's, what, my, that's what I would do. But look at the church's response. They immediately begin to pray. The Bible says they were of one heart and one mind. And they say, enable us to speak more boldly. Stretch out your hand to heal. We know that healing upsets, but stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you tonight, what's going to be your response when the devil slings his arrows in your direction. Because you can't hide. But when we gather as one heart and one mind, as the church, I'm not telling the devil, bring it on. I've already brought it on. And so have you. But when he slings his arrows, 
when we get together and we say, God, it's working. It's working. Revival is here and it's coming. Enable us to preach more boldly. Stretch out your hand to heal. Stretch out your hand to perform miraculous signs and wonders. He will show up. As for me and my house, succumbing to the pressures of hell are not an option. It's not an option. I've got a personal commitment to resist the devil at every opportunity and send him running, but it takes more. It takes more than just me standing up here and saying, as for me and my house, we're resisting the devil because we're dealing with principalities and that requires an all-in moment. The power of us is not the individual. It's us coming together. Where two or more agree in my name, it will be done. That when we gather together, and as it says here, all the believers were in one heart and mind. One heart and mind. What's the one heart? We will not hide. We will not cower. We will not, ref- we will not shrink back. But we will push harder. We will believe God for more. We will believe God for breakthroughs, for miracles, for signs and wonders. We will seek out the lame. We will seek out the blind, the captives, the prisoners. And we will proclaim freedom for them. Because when we do, we're going to experience the shaking that these disciples experienced. We're going to experience the filling of the presence of God and His Holy Spirit. Peter and John healed a man and were set free. When the church prayed, the whole place shook. And they all got filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.